You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon. And on this edition, I'm delighted to be joined by two special guests. First of all, from across the pond, the lovely Jess is back with us. Jess, how are you? I'm good. I can't complain. Thank you for having me. No problem. The pleasure is all ours. And of course, joining us, uh, he's probably got to get to bed soon because he's got an 8 a.m. show to crack on with. Uh, but Tom Canton from the Guna Talk TV is with us. How are you, Tom? Yeah, good. I feel like I should have worn a hat. I feel like I'm, I'm missing out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't want to speak for Jess, but the reason I'm wearing a hat is because I couldn't be bothered to sort out my hair. Is the Same. 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 Neither could I, but I just put it on show. <laughs> <laughs> Yours is nice and short, so you, you can get away with it, mate. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, let's crack on because uh, we've already put out a couple of podcasts today, but of course, some news emerged this afternoon. A report from the Telegraph, in which they claim that Arsenal are interested in Chelsea's Tammy Abraham. Now, it's understood that Tammy Abraham is basically being offered to anyone and everyone who will have him at the moment, because Chelsea, as we know, are in pursuit of Erling Haaland. That is going to be, if they do get that deal done, a very big money signing. And it seems as though they're trying to get some money in from Tammy Abraham, but also let him go because he is going to be very much a bit part player. He was a bit part player under Thomas Tuchel. And it seems as though now is probably the time for Tammy to move on. I'm going to come to you first on this, Jess, because I've never been a massive fan of Tammy Abraham. And so when this thing come out, I kind of raised both my eyebrows and sat back and thought, I'm going to have a look into this guy a little bit more because my opinion of him is not great. And I was mm-hmm. trying to, I guess, maybe convince myself that this is a deal I'd like to see Arsenal do. But where do you stand on the interest? Is he somebody you'd like to see join the club? If so, why? If not, why? I'm the exact same. Like whenever this is actually the second time we've been linked with him. First time is exactly the same as I feel right now. It's he just is not somebody that I like. You know, he's not the type of striker I, I am drawn to. You know, I'm just. He's just not my vibe. You know, that's the way I kind of explain it. But when you do a little bit more digging, you can see that his XG is quite good. Good. He scored a lot of goals from a profile perspective in terms of age and stuff like that. He does kind of fit the bill. Um, so I get why people are like the link. A lot of Arsenal fans are excited about it. They think it's a good deal, you know, but he's just he just doesn't pass my eye test. I think he's kind of clunky, a little clumsy looking, you know, most of the time when I'm watching him it looks like he's missing a lot of chances. So, you know, it just more depends on, is this what the club really wants, what I want and what the club wants, or it could be two completely different things. It's more about the club than like my personal preferences, you know? So it, it is what it is. If they like the player and he fits the profile that they really want, then that's cool. But I'm still looking at like, okay, Enketia is still here. Lacazette still here. Is it realistic if them two don't leave? I don't think so. 40 million. Is that too much? I'm not sure. Um, but he's just not the type of striker that I would like. So I guess to answer your question, no, I don't, don't really want to see him come in, but if that's what the club wants and he fits the bill, then 
it is what it is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. B before I quickly come to Tom, um, I've got to say apologies if you can hear a lawnmower in the background. It's all, every time I go to a podcast, someone next door to me decides to either let their dog out to bark the neighborhood bloody crazy or mow their lawn at 8 p.m. Who does that? Tom, your initial thoughts on this, uh, this Tammy Abraham uh, link. We'll put aside maybe how reliable this link is but what's mm. your opinion of the player and is he someone that you think fits the bill at Arsenal I mean does a striker fit the bill at Arsenal I suppose is a, is a good question because I'm not sure and we talked about this with Dan the other day didn't we about kind of the, the likelihood or the need for Arsenal to really go out and get a striker this summer we have two 50 million pound strikers that are very experienced is that what you were talking about because that's insane yeah I can hear it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's bad. Um, in regards to um, the the kind of the situation with uh, the, the, how many strikers we have, you've got it's a really weird age profile because 23 years of age. You think if you bring that through, you've got Fuller in Balogun, uh, that's like 19, 20 years of age. If you bring a 23 year old in, does that block the path of of him? When's he going to get those opportunities? Because you can't imagine that one, like both of Abamyang and Lacazette are going to leave. So immediately you'd imagine they're going to be here for at least a season or two. So you then got a situation where Balogun's route is, is blocked that first team. If I was looking at a striker, I thought the links to Andre Silva were quite good because of his age profile being slightly older and maybe that working out slightly better. But initially when I saw it, it was a case of, yeah, like, okay, that make, that's a classic like link to a player that's obviously available. Arsenal have got interest in, in kind of a striker in regards to being linked with Andre Silva and, and uh, Yeremchuk from, from Ukraine and, and players like that. So, yes, Arsenal have been linked to strikers previously. He's available. Arsenal like to go and get Chelsea players. So it just makes sense that that link would, would come forward. 40 million quid, people are balking at that price. Whilst I think it's a lot of money, it makes sense because he's an English homegrown 23-year-old Premier League proven talent scorer for one of the top six sides in the league. He's actually scored more goals in a season than Lacazette, I think, has in the Premier League since he's arrived. So all of those combined uh, kind of go to show that that price is about right from Premier League to Premier League club. However, and I think you tweeted about this, Harry, whilst the price may seem fine, it doesn't seem fine for Arsenal to really prioritise that amount on top of the stuff that we desperately need to get done this window. That's exactly it for me. And and I think you make a great point about the price. I don't think the price is too crazy, but it is that Arsenal have so many other areas that need prioritising. First, in my opinion, you cannot justify going and spending uh, £40 million or in excess of £40 million on a centre-forward with Lacazette, Aubameyang, Balogun and Nketiah all still at the club. Um, I just want to say a quick shout-out to, to Paddy Quinn, who's just signed up to become a member of the channel. Paddy, thank you so much, mate. Really, really appreciate your support. And if you're interested in becoming a member, you can do so by clicking on the link in the description. And don't worry, we're going to take uh, some of your questions a little bit later on. This one is a classic. Where is it? Matt, uh, Harry, do you live next door to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Bloody sounds like that tonight. It's <laughs> typical, typical. Um, I mean, Jess, there's this kind of sort of thing among the Arsenal fans where we kind of like joke and poke fun at each other. And well, I don't know if we poke fun at each other or we poke fun at the club about this thing about buying Chelsea rejects. I mean, Tammy Abraham doesn't really fall into that category for me because you're talking about a 23-year-old. He's technically a Champions League winner as well. He scored 30 goals in 82 games for Chelsea, which is a pretty decent record when you consider a lot of those performances would have been off of the substitutes bench. Um, 
But this isn't that kind of signing, is it? This isn't a William Gallas in the twilight of his career, a David Luiz, uh, one of those. This is this would be different, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not really similar in the way that it's, you know, literally looking in the bin behind, you know, Chelsea Stadium and, and finding looking to find something there. It's it's not that. It's not Willian. It's he's a younger player. And I think we have to remember that the club doesn't think about it that way. I don't think the club is actively like, okay, well, let's avoid Chelsea players. I think they look for the profile and if it fits, then they go after the player regardless to where they they come from. Like I, I really don't think it's like that. So I think, you know, it feels different. I'm not sure if it's reliable or not, but it feels different. And I don't actually have an issue with him being a Chelsea player really because it's not like Willian. It's just not, you know? So I think we have to be kind of okay with knowing that some players are going to fit what the club wants, but they may not come from the place that we actually want them to come from. It's really not that deep. And I actually think Arsenal fans perpetuate that whole buying Chelsea players thing and it being like this big and horrible thing. I think it's more us, you know, making that into a bigger deal than it actually really is. Like, Premier League teams trade players all the time because we're usually the only teams that can afford each other's players. So it's really not that big of a deal to me. Um, but I kind of feel the same way as you guys do. Like, do we actually need a striker right now? I'm not really sure. But, hey, if it's Tammy, it is what it is. Like, Tom, I mean, we talk a lot about the striker situation. Aubameyang didn't have his greatest season last season. Uh, Lacazette, I actually thought, had an okay season. But, you know, we're in a weird situation with Lacazette because of his contract uh, position. We know that, obviously, he's got a year to run on it. What would you be looking to do with Alexander Lacazette now if you were in charge? Because it's one that I'm kind of stuck on. Do you keep hold of him and try and get more out of him this season and hope that he can help us and help some of those young players around him, which he's done so well to kind of reach their peak and help us as a team move forward? Or do you think about the financial side and try and get something in for him while you still can. What's your kind of stance on on the whole Lacazette scenario? It is a really weird one, isn't it? To, to try and kind of come up with an answer that makes 100% sense either way, because I think there's always going to be kind of flaws in either argument. So for me, where I sit is I would lean towards a one-year extension um, for a number of reasons. One, I think that as you, we've already talked about, Arsenal's priorities in this window need to be in recruiting in more important positions on the pitch. Lacazette has shown, if you if you kind of give him that focus to be our main striker, I think he, he carries us absolutely fine in that position for the moment. Uh, I think if he was given more opportunities in the first half of the season to score, he would have done. We didn't have that number 10 in the first six months, and he still came out at the end of the season as looking as one of our better players in the squad across the whole season. So... I think a one-year extension makes sense. It protects his value. If we do end up, say, looking for a striker next summer, you've got the scope to then make a little bit of money off Lacazette in, in that summer as well. Aubameyang would have one year left on his on his deal as well. So it would actually align both of those perfectly for when their full deals would expire. So it's it's not really in-depth and, and, and lengthy answer because for me, it's just a case of, of extending him for that single year. It protects his value. You get from what you can in, in this year and then you've got a better scope to make a decision in the summer of 2022. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, lots of comments in the chat about the dog kicking off next door. So we've had the lawnmower. <laughs> now we've got the dog. I mean, I should have just closed the bloody door. I should have just closed the bloody doors. I do apologize. Um, <laughs> Jess, uh, another bit of news that's come out since our last podcast is, of course, uh, the confirmation that William Saliba has joined Marseille 
on loan for the season. Edu's been speaking about how it will be beneficial to him um, and has kind of suggested that he is still part of the long-term plans at Arsenal. I think a lot of us over the last week or so, uh, since it kind of emerged that he was Marseille-bound, have tried to make sense of this, tried to work out what on earth is going on with the Saliba situation. I'm actually not against him going out on loan because I haven't seen myself personally enough of him to make a judgment one way or the other as to whether he's ready to play for Arsenal in the Premier League. Are you disappointed that he's not been given an opportunity to to prove his worth this season? Yeah, I mean, if you put it that way, yes, of course. Like, I would love to see Saliba play. I don't think you're wrong for wanting to see somebody who is so highly touted you want to see them play for Arsenal, right? So it's not that big of a deal if you're a little bit disappointed. I just think the thought, I think we always forget about like the situation in which Arsenal is is in, the environment that he'd be coming into. And it's quite different to like, you know, the situation that Fofana came into where he had very experienced players around him playing in a back three. Sometimes it's just different, you know, and I just never really bought like the idea that Arteta was going to let Gabriel and Saliba start together. I never... I never bought it. And I didn't actually think it was a good idea for Saliba to sit on our bench. You know, the the alternative to him not starting every single game is sitting on our bench because we don't actually have Europe. So I'm actually okay with him going out on loan. I'm trying to get wrap my head around the fact that there may be a long-term plan to sell him. Now I'm not sure that there's a long-term plan for him to be at Arsenal. That being said, managers come in all the time, no matter who they are, if it was Jose Mourinho, Ancelotti, whoever, comes into a team and decides who they want and who they don't want, who's ready and who's not. The only reason why it's such a big deal is because it's Arteta and a lot of people just don't like him, but it's so normal for that to happen. And if Saliba is somebody who he doesn't deem as ready or is not somebody who he wants to have long-term, I think we just kind of have to get with it at some point. I'm detached. (laughs) Like I'm detached. I'm done with the Saliba wars. It's, it's over. Hopefully he has a good loan, a good loan and we'll see what happens. You know, not really worried about it. Tom, do you agree with that? Do you think that another manager would get less criticism with regards to this, um, with regards to this particular situation than Mikel Arteta does? Would is this with the context that the if we had say a Mourinho, say we had a Conte in charge, and the same thing happened in regards to him and the loan deal at the end of the 2020 window messing up say that happens and it's the yeah. same manager is it the, is that the context yeah yeah you, if this was Mourinho and everything had happened the same way mm. would you would people be as up in arms about it i think so actually because i think it's i think it's actually kind of secular towards specifically Saliba and kind of this cult following that Saliba's kind of conjured from his signature the fact he costs 28 million quid we can't really escape from that um so i don't think it matters the fact it's Arteta specifically um because obviously Edu's had a big thing kind of and role in this process as well so i do think it's more individualistic towards it being Saliba rather than the manager's influence i, I put a tweet up before we we came live about Saliba about if you remove that kind of month period at the end of the window where obviously uh, the, the deal with the, the loan situation never happened for him at the end of 2020 and say you remove also something which people brought up was the, I think, just a lack of education around the registration of him being registered for that first six months. If you remove that month and you look at everything outside of that, I can't actually 
look at things that the club have done wrong about Saliba, really. I mean, we buy this guy. We send him back on loan, as he's agreed. That's absolutely fine. He comes back, does his pre-season, uh, and then we have the, the cup situation, uh, which obviously I think the club were absolutely well within their rights to turn around to San Setien and say, do one, frankly. We're not going to pay you to play our own player and risk injury. Um, so, so I'm absolutely fine with that. We mess up the loan situation and we mess up the registration during that month period at the end of, I think it was October time because of the extended transfer window. Um, he then goes on loan from day one of the January window. We didn't like long it out in the January window. He went on loan immediately in January for six months, had a good loan spell, 20 games under his belt. He's then played now 38 games across those three seasons, which for me is not enough for a 20-year-old to force his way into one of the big six teams in the Premier League personally. And I don't think he's shown enough necessarily so far to guarantee himself a spot to be rotation and backup 100% but to be honest for me I'd rather see him play a full season and I think that's only going to happen if you do send him on loan this year so it makes sense but I am concerned that when he returns with two years left that we that may be it and that might be too late for him at the club. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Uh, while we're on the theme of lawnmowers this evening, just a quick reminder that this podcast is brought to you by manscaped.com. So if you're in need of your own personal lawnmower so you can get yourself sorted ahead of the lockdown restrictions fully lifting, then head over to manscaped.com. Enter our discount code, which is 90min20, and you'll receive 20% off of your order as well as free shipping. So get it sorted, get it nice and trim, get it looking nice and lush. Summer is coming. Uh, well, it should be summer, really, but it doesn't feel like it here. Uh, but yeah, get involved. Thank you to Manscaped for their kind sponsorship. And uh, thank you to you guys uh, for all the support and love that you've shown the podcast and Manscaped as well, because I'm getting feedback. You know, I know a lot of you are buying stuff from there as much as you uh, turn your noses up in the chat. I know I get the numbers through. Uh, brilliant stuff. Uh, Jess, a lot of people are kind of in panic mode at the moment because we are quite a way into the window now. Still a fair way to go, but there's not been that much activity. Nuno Tavares has joined the club. We know that Albert Laconga is very close to joining the club as well. We're awaiting a kind of announcement on that one. Are you at panic stations yet? Are you worried that Arsenal are running out of time to get all the business that we desperately need to do done? Um, I was never under the impression that we were going to get every single thing that we wanted to get done done. You know, at the beginning of the window, you see all these lists. People have these lists of 10 players that they want to bring in and 10 players that they want to get rid of. Yeah, no, that was never going to happen. Our players are really hard to shift on. I just, the wages, the ages, it's just not a good look, you know. So am I surprised that it's taking as long as it's taking? Not really. You know, the Euros just ended. Nobody else has really had a lot of deals done. I think Leicester stands out in that regard, but everybody else is kind of just like stagnate, stagnated as well. Um, no, I've never really seen a window where a lot of deals get done, like right away. Like it's usually like towards the end when people start, you know, getting things done. So I believe that the club is trying to get things done. I believe that our tar there's targets that we're working towards. Do I think we'll hit them all? No, I think that's natural for us to maybe miss out on, on a couple, but I'm actually optimistic that we'll get some things done and I think we'll be better next season, but I'm not really that worried. Like, Ask me again in two or three weeks if we're still sitting there with just Chavarge. I'll be like, yeah, maybe yeah, we should start panicking. But we know Lakonga's there. We know we're trying to work on something with White. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I'm not really that worried because it's not like everybody else is like has a bunch of deals going through and we're just sitting there. And we know that they're trying to get things done. So 
I would say, let's just be optimistic, cautiously optimistic, but remember that we're not going to get everything done. It's just unrealistic for, for Arsenal at this point. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm I'm the same as you. And I know a lot of people have been making the comparison of, well, Manchester United wanted Jadon Sancho. He was at the Euros and they got it done, almost failing to, to realise that that negotiation, especially between Sancho and Manchester United, was already done from last summer. And it was just a case of sorting out the, uh, the fee with the club. So that's why that deal has moved along. Uh, a little bit more swiftly. Uh, Tom, I'm going to get your take on on where we're at in the transfer window at the moment, but I just want to prompt the guys in the chat. If you haven't done so already, get your questions in the chat. Put a little cue at the beginning so that we can pick them out easily and I'll put the questions uh, to our brilliant guests. Also, hit the like button if you haven't done so already and subscribe to the channel if you're new. Uh, Tom, I know you're, from talking to you previously, you're quite relaxed at the moment, aren't you, about the transfer window? I am I'm relaxed in general the, <laughs> beyond just the, the transfer window, but I think that I'm growing more towards the next stage, which I think is concern. It's not worry or panic. I think the next stage is probably just concern. Um, and I think what Jess says there is right about Lacunga and Wyatt. The problem for me with those two is is still a backup centre midfielder, a backup left back, which we've signed, and a centre back who I never thought we were going to be going for at the start of the window are still not those really big key positions that we're all talking about. And that's why I've got that little bit of concern growing, especially with kind of the right-back area because we're not seeing really any links. I don't expect us to see too many links because Hector Bellerin is still here and Cedric's still here or Chambers is still here. And until we move one of those on, I don't think we will see those links. But then that then bleeds into the concern as to why those players are still here. We should have probably moving on, moved on more than we currently have. Uh, we've only seen Saliba so, go so far with Genduzi and, and Mavropanos as well. And and they're all for loans with with possible options involved with Genduzi and Mavropanos, of course. So it, it's not enough been done in both directions at this moment in time. Uh, more so, I'm worried about the outs rather than ins at this stage. And it is the fact that we're still kind of sort out this, this jacker situation with Roma. Uh, and Harry, I'd love to kind of throw a question back to you um, because we talked about the other day kind of the situation where, yes, we, we've got to get all these outs done and we've got to kind of change the perception of how Arsenal are as a selling club. There's part of me that's reflected on that and gone, we've got so much deadwood. I I don't think it's possible to really change the perception with the players that we've currently got. So maybe it is best to try and just, you know, cut our losses. And we literally may earn a, a fair chunk of a loss on the players that we sell. But then next summer, when we've already moved on all of that deadwood, then we can start to try and build up this change of perception. Do you think that's the right way? Or do you think we should be targeted to change it now with certain players that are at the club? It's a tough one. And it ties in nicely, actually, with a question from Peter Renner, who says, do we just get rid of people for whatever the price just to get them out, even at the expense of the transfer budget? And I think we are in a position where we don't really have much choice. You know, you you talk about Granite Xhaka, a lot of people have kind of been a little bit disappointed, myself included, with the amount that we're talking about for Granite Xhaka, largely because of what it's going to cost to replace him. And you know, you're talking about someone who's experienced, who was fit every week, who was a pivotal part of our team last season. OK, the team wasn't at the level we all hoped it would be. But to replace him, we're talking about maybe Ruben Neves. We're looking at in, in excess of £30 million to bring him in. So when you're kind of £10 million shy of that in your sale of Granite Xhaka, you do find yourself in a place where you're a bit like, 
well, we feel like we're getting a dud deal here. The problem is, Tom, like you, like we've said before, is that everybody and their dog knows that Arsenal want to get rid of these players, right? Mm. People are not going to come in and throw top dollar at us. And for Arsenal, it's as much about, I think, probably clearing uh, sort of space in the squad in terms of numbers, but also clearing that and cutting that wage bill down is important as well. I think we've just got to accept, to be honest, that we're not going to get the funds in that we want. Uh, for a lot of these players, Hector Bellerin is another prime example of a player that we probably went into the window thinking, hey, we might get 15 to 20 million pounds for this guy. And it's just not going to happen. So I think you've just got to cut your losses. I, I really do. And I'd be interested to get Jess's thoughts on that as well. Cut, cut, cut. I'm in the cut your losses. Like, I just don't see it. I think we we tend to maybe ignore the fact that the clubs that are interested in our players are in a place where they're skint. Like, you know, they don't actually have the money that we think our players are worth. And so it's, it's hard for me to see how we would get the money for granted that we feel like he's worth, how we would get more. I mean, even if you look at the right back market, there are a lot of right backs that are available that are probably just as good, if not just a little bit better than Hector Bellerin that you can get for less. Like, you know what I mean? So it's, it's difficult, you know, but I'm just, I don't even, I just think we have to just cut our losses and just move on. We're not going to be able to turn everything over, get rid of all the dead wood, bring in world-class players, get in the top four next season, make sure we develop all our young players. This is a long-term process. And I just feel like we want too much too early. Let's just hope that they can get rid of some of these players that are kind of holding us back and see what we can do. I just think losing some of the weight will help lift the club up just a little bit, even if it's not you know, we're not able to bring in the funds that we want to bring in the players that we need. You know, I just, I think we just need to like, just relax a little bit. Like these players are really hard to move on. So let's just cut yeah. the cord. Yeah. Agreed. Um, another question that comes in from Feridun and I get this a lot and I'm sure you get this quite a bit, Tom, over on your channel as well, <laughs> is people wondering why it is that we're not ranting and raving and shouting and screaming about Mikel Arteta and where Arsenal currently find themselves. I Part of, of being a football fan for me is about being optimistic and is about getting behind your team and believing that your team can get to where they need to be. If you turn up to every game kind of angry and pissed off and disappointed, it, it kind of begs the question as to why do you waste your time? Like For me, it's something to look forward to. It's something to be positive about. And I like to be positive until, you know, the otherwise is proven. <laughs> Why is it that you're kind of quite level-headed about it and not losing your marbles about it as such as well? I, I suppose it probably just is the optimist in me that in the same kind of way is that I always want to try and look at things from a positive outlook. I always, and I also want to try as best I can to put myself in the shoes of, of the club and think what is the sensible decision. And I know that Arsenal have made a hell of a lot of, of really odd and silly m mistakes, to be honest, at, at times. But every single summer, I still kind of go into it with like a clean slate. It's kind of, I, I, I just treat life in that way, I suppose. And that's probably the way I look at the club. It's just look, look, at the end of the day, you just need to cut your ties. We want to do with some of our players this summer and, and turn over a new leaf with with some of the, the squads. I, I thought it was the right decision probably for Arteta to be gone at the end of last season. But the fact of the matter is, is that he is still here. I have no control. The fans have no control over whether he stays or goes. And the fact of the matter is, is that because he is going to be here, I'm just going to be optimistic about what we might try and see. Because I think whilst we've, I've got a lot of criticism for Arteta's 
Me too. management style and man management and tactics and in-game management. But what, one of the things I, I find it difficult to fault is this part of his management, is the actual transfer window and identifying targets. Because during his tenure, he's made mostly good decisions. I mean, Willian and Runnison aside, you look at the bringing in of, of Thomas Partey, along with Edu's work as well, of course. We look at what we've got with Gabriel. Two key positions in centre-back and centre-mid. You go to January, we, we don't have anything to spend in January. We never spend in January. Uh, there's only a couple of windows where we really did go for it. But we brought in a backup goalkeeper, which we desperately did, and a good one at that. And we brought in a potential to be world-class attacking midfielder at the time in, in Erdogan. And I never expected that to happen, as well as getting out the likes of Mustafi, Socrates and Ozil. So during this period, I can't fault Arteta too much. When it gets into the season and we've got our squad, that's when we're going to be really critical and, and analysing things. So I don't think it's necessarily about us being the level-headed crew or the optimistic crew or whatever. I think it's just about realising that this is actually the bit that we're doing all right at, so let's just wait and see what happens in the window. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Jess, question that I'm going to throw over to you from Roy Eaton, one of our members. He says, do you think Arteta and Edu's lack of experience is a stumbling block when approaching and negotiating deals for players? Possibly, you know, it, possibly, but I'm not... I'm not there at the tables watching them do their job. I mean, I think Adu does have some experience. I think we, I think he has some experience. I think Arteta is a little bit. I would say his inexperience is more with the man management part of it. I, I'm not. I'm not at the negotiating table. I don't know. I think the lack. I think the lack of movement and maybe our perceived like, you know, um, maybe stumbling blocks during this tran these transfer windows is more coming from the fact that like. Literally, these players are hard to move on, not necessarily because they don't know what they're doing. Maybe they are having an issue. Maybe they are having issues, but I'm not there. It's very hard for me to say, like, I do I think their inexperience is an issue when they could be doing all the right things? I think the one thing that stands out to me is maybe the paperwork issue that happened with Saliba. I'm not quite sure whose desk that fell to, but that looked like a big blunder. Um but in terms of them being able to shift players on and, and move things around, I'm not sure if that's really like about their inexperience or the fact that like they're just these players are hard to move on. It's it's difficult for me to make a decision on that, you know. So and I do think Adu does have experience. It's just not experience maybe in Europe or whatever, you know. So we'll see. Maybe I didn't answer the question, but I don't know because I'm not there. Like, I don't know what they're doing. They could be doing all the right things. It's just difficult. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> and that's a, that's a completely valid argument because I think as fans, we do that so much. We kind of make assumptions based on nothing. We don't know what goes on in the negotiation room. We don't know how Edu approaches these discussions. We don't know exactly what part Mikel Arteta plays in that part of the transfer. So it is so difficult to make a judgment on that. And I think, there's a danger sometimes as fans of of creating this kind of faux outrage on stuff that isn't real. And, and we're kind of getting caught up in it and going around in circles and, and being disappointed and frustrated when actually we don't really know the bigger picture. And as Arsenal Granny points out in the chat, my favourite screen name on this nice. whole chat box, by the way. Um, and Tom, this is, this is absolutely spot on. They've re-signed up a load of young players, extended their contracts, um, Emil Smith Rowe, we we think is close to doing that. Bukayo Saka, Martinelli, uh, you know these guys have all extended under these guys' watch. Kieran Tierney's another one as well. 
that bit is often overlooked, isn't it? It is all about bringing players in in the eyes of others. But in the past, we've been burnt by not tying players down, players who were important to us. I think that it's it's funny, isn't it, when we talk about um, Saliba and kind of a parallel with, say, Balogun. Um, people really did uh, kind of get on the the, the coach and, and the club's back about the treatment of following Balogun last season, saying that he wasn't given enough minutes. He's never going to re-sign his contract. He's not being given enough time. And lo and behold, look what happened. He went and signed a new contract. So at the same time, while yes, I'm worried that Saliba may not have a future at the club because of everything that's happened. He's been there a lot longer than, than Balogun. If, if the club can really turn around and convince a player that was not really getting any game time at all to sign that new deal and sell him a future under not just... Arteta, but also Edu and the like, then why couldn't they do that also for Saliba? And as you bring up, we have got now a very good history of, of getting these young guys to sign up to new deals. That new Saka deal, by the way, to go up to 30k per week, when you think about Willian's on, what, eight, seven, eight times more than that, obviously we're learning from those mistakes of Willian trying to make sure that we don't do that with all of our players and with mistakes of the past with our wage bill as well. Cole Jenkinson was some, on something ridiculous at the time as well, and it's about learning from those errors. And I think Richard Garlick coming in is going to be a big kind of plus for us and having that experience and that second opinion and holding Edu's wrist at times when he wants to go too far on certain things, like a Willian, for instance. So I think that's that's going to be big for us and it is going to be about learning from mistakes. For sure. And, and just a couple of other bits to finish up on. One of the stories of last week was the announcement that Arsenal were going to take part in the Amazon All or Nothing documentary series. Uh, I've got mixed feelings on this and I've, I've made my feelings clear on the channel over and over again. So Jess, what's your take on this? I'm part fascinated, part disappointed. What's your kind of viewpoint on this? And to tie in with a question from the chat uh, from Richard, do you think that this show will be a win or a loss for Arteta? Uh, will it show him and the squad up? People are going to hate me. I I love Arsenal content. So I'm like, yes, I want to see more. I like, the, I like the all or nothings. And I kind of, when Manchester City was doing theirs, I was like, wow, I wish we had one. Um, but it could go very wrong or it could go very right, depending on how the season goes. So, um, yeah, I think we have to remember that it's television, you know, and one of the reasons why Arsenal probably wants to do it is so that they can drive the narrative about what Arsenal is and what they're doing. So I think we'll see a very judged experience. You know, it'll be kind of um, uh, reality-like, if that makes sense. Like, I think we'll see the best of certain situations and they'll only show what they want to show, but what they can't change is the results. You know, if they're, <laughs> if the results are bad, it's going to be what it is. So, um, Oh, I am excited about it. I can't lie. I, I am one of those type of people. I, I will be sitting there watching it. But again, I, I think that there's this thing where people are thinking, well, they're focusing more on documentaries and not on transfers. And I'm like, I just don't understand how the two are really connected. Like, they're clearly working on transfers, but they signed a deal for this thing. I don't think it's, a, it's about priorities per se. But Again, this could really just go the wrong direction if the results are not there. And I don't think any amount of, you know, good camera work or, you know, scripting or whatever is going to change that, you know. So we'll see how it how it goes. But I really hope that we look good because, man, how embarrassing would that be, you know, because <laughs> yeah, I did laugh I'm at Tottenham a lot. Like I really did. I thought there's this was pretty much a comedy, you know, so I don't want us to be the same. <laughs> yeah, you know? for sure. 
for sure. But also as well, I think it's quite naive of, of people to kind of think that this was just cooked up just like that. Like this, this would have been in the pipeline for a while. We just didn't know about it. I'm sure there would have been many discussions back and forward between uh, Amazon and the club about doing this. And I know from speaking to somebody that was part of the project of the Spurs one, that the club still retained full editorial control of it. And that is something that they, I think the clubs have, have pushed back at Amazon on when Amazon were trying to get a little bit more control. Amazon want to portray the best story that they can, but the clubs obviously uh, want to use it as a bit of a mouthpiece, a bit of a PR stunt and to get their kind of uh, their messages across. Lots of you in the chat coming up with some great chapter titles, uh, great episode <laughs> titles, brilliant stuff. Uh, Tom, just to, to kind of wrap up the show, what's, what's your take on it? Are you, um, positive about it or, or are you like me a little bit apprehensive i'll be honest with you mate when i heard about it i was buzzing i was, I was absolutely buzzing about it i i love the manchester city series um i've watched that twice uh, but that's because they're good though isn't it it's different like they they're good I, you're seeing the success i know <laughs> I, I get that i really understand that point of view but for me it's more about kind of seeing the inner working seeing the personalities of players coaches to the camera which of course may be a warped version of reality yes um, but I think if you go into that documentary with the expectation that you are going to see the absolute truth, then you're going to be disappointed. And yeah. I've not really kind of reacted to the news that we're having it in that way. I've reacted in the sense that Arsenal has been a very closed institution for an incredibly long time. And we've wanted better kind of openness. And whilst this is controlled openness, as you would expect from Arsenal, as you see with a lot of their fan forums, but at the same time, it's more than what we've had previously. And so, as always, I'm trying to look at it from the more kind of positive, optimistic standpoint and think that I think it's just a bonus for us um, in regards to seeing it. And, of course, the financial kind of benefit of 10 million-ish quid pays for a backup left-back. So uh, there's that too. There you go. Maybe it's a bit like the Arsene Wenger book where everybody, you know, a lot of people were kind of like, oh yeah, he might lift the lid on things that went on at Arsenal. This yeah, is going to be now. great. <laughs> and it was, yeah, it, I've got to be honest. I bought it. I started reading it. I didn't even finish it. I got bored. I mm. actually got bored. Um, and, and that is a very sort of kind of similar thing where you kind of have to manage your expectations. Anyone who thinks about it sensibly knows that Arsene Wenger was never going to come out and completely open the doors on everything bad that happened at the club during his time there it was never going to be the case so Tom's absolutely spot on manager expectations and you won't be disappointed right we are going to leave it there um big thank you to my two guests uh, this evening Jess how can people uh, follow you and keep up with the brilliant work that you do yeah, just it's on the screen at it's Jesse Neo on Twitter and she knows Arsenal. I'll be doing a show at 10 p.m. UK time if you guys want to come around there and, and talk more about Tammy Abraham. You know, we're just going to talk more about him. So, yeah, thank you so much, Harry, for having me on the show. And yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. And that's perfect time for all you Love Island watchers. You've got plenty of time to finish up and then head over to Jesse. I Jesse's like show. Love Island. <laughs> I'm like weird. I like it. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about it. I'm not talking about it. <laughs> Tom, uh, thank you so much for jumping on, mate. How can people keep up? Well, everybody knows where the Guna Talk TV is, but uh, how else can they follow you? It's a brilliant channel. And uh, if everybody, if, if you're up early in the morning, so is Tom. 
So get involved yeah. in the live show. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Um, yeah, you can find me personally at Tom Cantor Media and you can find the channel at uh, The Guna Talk TV. But yes, as Harry says, I'll be there tomorrow morning, 8 a.m. UK time for the 74th episode in a row of our transfer updates in which we've signed a one player. So uh, yes, stay tuned. <laughs> That is a solid effort, I've got to say. Uh, just a quick reminder, if you haven't done so already by the time the outro plays, please do hit the like button. Let's try and get up to 100 likes between now and the end of the stream. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel if you're new. And I've got to bring this one up. Harry, what's your type on paper? <laughs> absolutely oh, class classic line. absolutely <laughs> class uh next time i'm going to invite a guest on i'm going to ask them if they want to go for a chat as well uh, to kind of time by the fire pit. By the exactly. there you go <laughs> right we'll catch you all very soon thank you very much until next time take care you're listening to the chronicles of aguna the arsenal podcast I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.